Welcome to Who Knew. We are fans of the current series of Doctor Who, and here we discuss our likes, dislikes, and insights into the modern regeneration of the show. Subscribe, review, and listen to us on iTunes or our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash whonewpodcast. All our episodes are on whonewpodcast.com. You can leave comments there or email us at whonewpodcast at gmail.com. We also have an Instagram and Twitter account. Tweet at us at whonewpodcast. And find us on Facebook. Today's episode is Season 8, or Series 8, depending on what part of the planet you are from. This is the first full season with Peter Capaldi as the 12th Doctor and Jenna Coleman as the companion of the series. We'll be discussing all of Season 8 as a whole. Hi, this is Eugene. Let's introduce ourselves. Shouldn't it be Clara as the Doctor? Anyway, hi, this is Frank. Hi, this is Brian. Hi, it's Josh. Hey, y'all, this is Kelsey. Hello, this is Auburn. All right, I know it feels like a long time ago, but Deep Breath was the first official episode of season eight. Uh, that's the one with uh, the Pat Noster gang in Victorian London. We get the Doctor Peter Capaldi as the 12th Doctor coming out of the TARDIS all kind of dazed with the 11th Doctor's wardrobe still on and regeneration going kind of funky. It does not feel like it's been the same season. Like I that know. seems like so long ago. Yeah, and it it feels like such a different vibe of the show now too. Like, yeah, uh, I remember enjoying. I went watched or we listened to the different episodes because it does seem like such a long time ago, and so it's just interesting to see it again. You know how and I wasn't watching it to take notes for this or anything as that. It was just to refresh my memory, and so it's just watching it or downloading on the phone, listening to it while driving. And it was a lot better than I remember it being, even after the second rewatch for this podcast. Mm. So that was I think, a surprise. Well, I remember talking about when we when we went over it, like we were all surprised at how well written it was and how funny it was. And then I, I was saying how like, they kind of blow through the comedy so fast, you don't even realize it's there. And he's so upset <laughs> through the whole show. Like there's just this, and, and he's acting weird and different. He seems like like this crazy homeless man and stuff. And, you know, Clara doesn't like him and things. So it just threw us all really off kilter, but really well written. Um, uh, so, so, yeah. Shut up a lot. Yeah, I, I think it's a Capaldi humor. Yeah. Some okay. of his other things that he has done works mm-hmm. with him. I think it also uh, is something that a lot of fans of Peter Capaldi who started with this season, he is their favorite doctor. Um, you know, as, as somebody who started with Eccleson, you know, I've had my issues with this season, but it, it is it is good that on rewatches, like we fall more in love with it, not like more in hate with it. So I think yeah, that does speak sure. to the strength of it. Yeah. Nice point. And usually if we don't like the episode, we still really like him. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Very much. That's what I'm discovering. And and I remember really liking the end when yes. the eleventh Doctor calls Clara right before he regenerates into Capaldi, the twelfth Doctor, mm-hmm. and that being like, oh, is this what the season's going to be like? Where he's saying, uh, as the eleventh Doctor, you're scared. He's scared. Help him, and uh, you know, just help him for me because I'm him and he is me. And I really like that. And we kind of never. I went back to that because that whole am I a good man or what kind of man am I well you're just kind of disgruntled throughout the whole thing you're 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 cranky mm-hmm. there's not there's not yeah grumpy and cranky there's not a real uh existential crisis like is this who I am is this who I am today is this who I am tomorrow is this who I will be I was just 
thinking like this is a good overall arc for the doctor which we haven't really needed one for the doctor because it's usually the companion that goes through the uh the change yeah well the doctor does go through the change each time it's like what am i going to be i remember tenants you know trying to figure out what type is he going to be is he sarcastic is he funny oh that's rude am i a rude doctor <laughs> so it was there but this one you focus on it more he's, he's like really doing more of an in-depth for some reason which i don't think really paid off with the whole good aspect because I don't think they defined what good was. And we can talk about it with different episodes when it keeps coming back. It just sort of, what are you trying to actually say? Because you're not defining it. What is the definition of good? It's good to kill Daleks. That's what you're saying. To be a good person, you kill Daleks. And then later on in that episode, he sees the hate for the Daleks in the doctor because they're merging. And now he wants to kill Daleks, but now he's bad because he wants to kill Daleks. So the idea of good, I mean, when he's asking Clara, it's like, she says, I don't know, but I wish they would have been, what do you mean by good? Are you trying to do what's right? Are you trying to do what's nice? No, he does not want to do what's nice. That's not being good. Being kind is being good, but they don't really go into it. They, they put it out there as a question without delving into it or even answering it. And it just seems convoluted to me. So that's one thing I did not like about Into the Dalek. It just, the premise of it wasn't right. Yeah, and we're saying the same thing in different ways because that transitions me to the second episode of the season, Into the Dalek, where the Dalek says, you are a good Dalek. And so he's like, oh, do I need to rethink who I'm going to be as this doctor and as I'm regenerating or I'm this new persona? They tried to address it in the, uh, hold on one second. They tried to address it in Death in Heaven where he's like, Oh, wait a minute. I'm not good. I'm not bad. I'm just an idiot. And it's like, there's a kernel of something really good in that, that they just didn't pay off right. You know, it's, it's, I'm just an idiot with a box. And one thing that, so there's, there's, you know, he's just like, oh, I'm not bad. I'm not good. And then basically he's like, I'm just a person. Right. But he says it and he's like, oh, I'm just an idiot with a box and a screwdriver. Well, it's like, well, that's a cliche of Doctor Who. He's the idiot with the box. I mean, they've said that for decades. So it's like, well, you're just throwing a Doctor Whoism at us. I don't know. It just it was for me. It didn't um, didn't have any impact when it really could have if they had written it differently. I mean, I kind of like that. Am I a good man? Well, it's like, well, it depends. Yeah, and even with the idiot in the box, and then there's to me, it's like a meta thing of a madman in a box, which was one of the uh, song tracks from uh, Matt Smith's era. The first two episodes I thought were interesting rewatching it because the clockwork uh, droid wanted to become human so that he could get to the promised land. Yeah, so I'm glad. So the first episode they laid in, sorry, go ahead. No, I was gonna say, I'm glad you brought that up because that's our first instance of what you're gonna say. Yeah, well, they set up nicely in the first episode, which I didn't really get before because they just don't follow up right. But they're talking about the mysterious woman with the lady in the shop giving the number, who set up the newspaper clipping. So they had started, I thought, with some good ideas. I was like, so I was really surprised how much I like Deep Breath better than I had in the past. Just a lot of times listening to it just for fun rather than trying to dissect it or find something in it. It's just, oh my gosh, they did do that. <laughs> yeah, and then other than that, we have the first appearance of Courtney Woods in Deep Breath as well. Right, who inspires uh, Clara, which is surprising. Yeah, and and then into the Dalek, we have the first appearance of uh, Danny Pink. 
where they go into uh, Rusty, but uh, Danny is not an official companion just yet. And there's also a, let's dub it the Missy tag right. <laughs> at the end of Into the Dalek. One thing with Into the Dalek that I don't know is a foreshadowing or something they put down, but looking back on it, I think it was. It was when they, the doctor lets the one guy die. He can't stop it from happening, so he's trying to get it so they can all live. And he needs to do it now so they can follow where they put all the bodies, which is in that soup mm -hmm. kind of thing. And so they're all down there in that sewerish looking thing. And his line was, you know, it's a good thing that we're here. And it's like, why? Because it's the weakest point. Nobody guards the dead. And to me, that's like, was that foreshadowing of the ending? Whoa. It was just like, that's a good, it has to be. Yeah. <laughs> and I didn't catch that ever before. And I just, okay, he did put things in there, which was nice. Didn't follow up, didn't put them, I don't know. It's, as we talk about it with the other episodes, I just don't think he added new things. He just kept saying the same thing over and over without any additional information. Well, this is my problem with the way Moffat lays his breadcrumbs, if you will. It's like the doctor is saying, this is a sentence, like that's the line. Am I supposed to pay attention to this is, or this is a sentence? Like, what am I supposed to pay attention to where yeah. Bad Wolf, it came around every so often, or uh, uh, Vote Saxon was in the background. It wasn't like a spotlight on it. So when, when, when you talk about things like that, that's cool. But at the same time, when I'm watching, I'm like, I wouldn't have picked up on that at all. <laughs> so like what you were saying earlier, Frank, like the steampunk robot guy wanted to ascend or whatever to go to the promised land. How did he even know of the promised land? Like, am I forgetting something? Because Missy has a TARDIS or so she can travel through time. She's been at different times so, in the doctor's life. And so, in, he, so, so he has heard of it from her leaving evidence. From what I get, everybody else fill in, but it seemed like it's been as long as there's been people, Missy's been doing something like this, setting the groundwork for the promised land. So in essence, they were saying religion is just a plot of Missy's. Mm. And that's something that's not explicit because that's what I figured out as well. It should yeah. have been spotlighted on a little bit more. Because it seems like that Missy's was this master who just sort of dropped in at the end and did a bunch of stuff. Um, but to think that it, it was more of this grand master plan from the beginning of humanity. Um, what's that, Brian? Oh, don't you mean grand mistress? <laughs> <laughs> talk um, about just, a long game. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, from the and, outside. And I think, what does that mean by from the outside? Oh, I feel like that feels more master-like than it felt on the live watch of it. Yeah. That feels more like a master mistress plot um but you don't get that to you deconstruct it afterwards so i think uh both the like the mistress missy plot and the am i a good man plot like get interrupted with the whole soldier question that that comes up and could have been like part of the am i a good man but i don't mm -hmm. think they ever really connected it well enough to no to make didn't. it part of it I would even call it a soldier bias. Well, but like it almost like they want to portray it as a soldier bias from the doctor, but then all of the like the lessons that we learn are pro soldier. Like by the mm -hmm. end, you know, it's very, very like pro nationalistic, pro uh, patriotic, military. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Like but even the students were against the soldiers when they were talking about Clara and Danny being together. But, but they weren't like the students were also, I think, in the Doctor Who universe, like they're not the model, right? Like they're 
they're also kind of like an other or like somebody that's not the main character. Like I feel like we were supposed to see the world through almost Clara's eyes mm. this this whole season. Yeah. Well, I think that's what they they brought Courtney Woods on, but it just didn't work out. Yeah. The the third episode is a robot of Sherwood where uh, Clara gets sort of wish fulfillment and she gets to see Robin Hood as if it were a real life like the real version of Robin Hood in in her history. And I don't know, we I think when we discussed this, we didn't like how defiant the doctor was for logic. He was just saying Robin Hood and the Merry Men are obviously fake. Mm -hmm. But then there's all this evidence that they're showing him that these are real people and he's just not listening to it. So this is one I I remember. I think I just watched it in the broadcast and never again until we did this podcast. And, and, and re-watching it just so I can refresh my memory. It's a great idea, people. It is. <laughs> yeah. Without yeah. actually trying to get anything from it. Um, I, this, I picked up this... that the ship that crashed, that turned into the castle, and that they were trying to fix with all the gold, was trying to reach the promised land. I had forgotten about that, but that's like another, mm. whose oh, ship is yeah. it? They never really went to that. If it was the sheriff's, but he seemed like, no, he just wanted to take over the world. So it wasn't like his ship. So it was the other robots. Is it the same tie-in? with the clock people or is it but there's something totally different they're not clock the yeah clock so so that's what's going on now is that it's artificial people or ai if you will that is being transported to the promised land so that's what i originally thought it was um and since you rewatched it recently frank do you do you remember if there's a missy tag at the end of robot of sherwood i don't think there is there is not so the only mention is when the ship, the doctor is analyzing the ship, it says, oh, its destination is the promised land. So that's the Missy tag that we get in this episode. That's the throwaway line we're supposed to pay attention yeah. to. <laughs> so that's why you didn't get it, Josh, because it's very throwaway. There's a lot going on in that scene. It's crashing, it's blowing up, and yeah. And I ended up really liking that episode, too. This, I think this has been the most polarizing season for me of <laughs> when I first watched it and then I second watched it. Now I quite like, now that I understand what they were doing and what was actually happening, and I think probably at the time, like we said, I had Matt Smith withdrawal. Um, mm -hmm. So, like, now that I'm used to the Capaldi and all this stuff and go back, um, very enjoyable. And in this one, the doctor comes out with all these different theories which are wrong, so I can't remember what really was happening. What was the final truth behind it? You know, was the ship affecting Robin so that he was a better archer because they wanted a foil for the you know, sheriff? But then he goes, no, that was silly. That's not the way it's supposed to be. But then why was he able to split the arrow so many different ways without looking? Which was a funny scene when you just take it as trying to go more campy, trying to go more funny, farce. Mm -hmm. It just, it was fun, but it didn't fit the story. It didn't explain it well enough. The doctor said later on way too far going, no, that was a remote control arrow that I used, you know, but it didn't happen quick enough to get the joke with it. It's just sort of, well, I forgot about that. That was 20 minutes ago in this episode and now you're running for your life and you're like, no, that was just a remote control arrow. It didn't seem to blend right. And I think it's one of the ones that were so disjointed in how it, I think, first started as an idea and how it ended up that something got lost along the process. And that's what I think the season seemed to have a lot of things that just dropped in the stories because of the process, but just didn't come back together to try and tighten up the story. Yeah, I'm opinionated. Okay. No, <laughs> no, I agree. I agree. And this was, just remind me again, this was Moffat's first series, like show running? Or no, sec second? he did five, six, and seven with Matt Smith. Oh, okay. And then this is eight. Huh. So this is his fourth season. Okay, then 
that's yeah it's not like just no coming excuse. in and finding something yeah yeah <laughs> at this point maybe maybe it was just bored and trying to do too much or was was there another project that was he working on something else at this point as well like is there sherlock yeah okay like a lot just... of energy went into sherlock okay just starting sherlock at this at kind of the same time or Oh, I don't remember. Because, yeah, I agree that there seems like there's a lot of, like, just barely missing things that would have helped. Mm -hmm. Sherlock was going on season three when this series eight of Doctor Who was pairing. Well, that was the worst season. So, again, no excuses. Yeah, I'll just call it up, I guess. And then uh, the next episode after that is Listen, where this is one of the, uh, I think this this is the first appearance of the young Doctor, like a child Doctor, because... In season three, we saw the master, not the doctor. No, we saw both of them. We saw both. Are you sure? Mm-hmm. Okay. I remember them running to the, I feel sure. the hill. <laughs> I know. It could be our memories just building it I in. Think, though, I think they both looked into the... They were rocks. running down towards it, and then they focused on the master. But the two boys were there. I could be wrong. I just remember definitely the, the close-up yeah. on the master kid, or the kid before he becomes the master. Anyway... But uh, yeah, we get um, Clara going back in time to uh, young Danny or Rupert Pink in an orphanage. And there's some sort of weird creature that uh, the doctor knows what to do, but doesn't know what the creature is. So it's really the balance is off for me in this episode. It's also another one where the doctor throws out theories that as an audience, we either say, yes, that's true or not true, because they don't even give it to us in the show. But it's like, no, that was a kid. I mean, <laughs> there's a debate going on. No, something's like, no. By the end of the episode, it looked like it was definitively what Clara was saying. No, there's a practical reason for it. It wasn't some entity, unknown entity that we can't see. Uh, the, the two things that I do like about this episode is the horror. Well, several things. The horror aspect of it, the way it's shot, and the way it connects with the uh, day of the Doctor, the 50th, where this is the shed that the doctor, the young doctor is in, that the war doctor goes to activate the the moment, the device. And then the way that Capaldi as the 12th doctor comforts young Rupert saying that fear is a good thing. It's letting blood pump through your body. You can jump higher or run faster. So you are prepared. So that's, a, that's your superpower. And I, I really like that. Yes, I did <laughs> until the rewatch where those are Clara's words to him as a kid. You know, so that's the thing that, this must be the time that Clara for this doctor saves him. So she goes through his whole timeline. This one was kept for her primary life. That's all I'm trying to put together, which that way justifies it for me. Because if not, then she created Danny, the soldier man, by giving him that little plastic green army man and created the doctor by telling him this, by telling him also in her speech after the whole uh, ankle was that, you know, Fear doesn't need to, you never need to be cowardly. You need to be kind. It's like, this is the doctor's big speech at the end that he gives that we love. It's like, it came from Clara. And it's just the importance of Clara overdone. But I'm trying to think, okay, this is just the one time in this reincarnation that she came in, but it was the life we're watching. And the other times we just see those scenes where she's involved in it. We don't follow her her life. So trying to put it that way so it doesn't get me upset. <laughs> I, <guess. laughs> I am glad that you bring that up because to me, this is kind of like Moffat's weird fascination with Jenna Coleman and Clara are kind of inseparable because of just how much, how integral she is to the doctor's life. Yeah. Also to Danny's life. 
Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, his brain was scrambled, thought it was a dream. But when he meets her, you're just thinking there's some connection that he gets to the woman who saved him, you know, subconsciously. And it's just like, ugh. It was just a weird episode. A lot of it was done well. I agree with you. Some of the acting, some of the, the camera work, the directing, it was done well. There's so I don't even... dislike this episode. It's just yeah, a lot in there that wasn't expanded or, expla- or just left there. I want well, a little bit more direction sometimes. Yeah, I definitely want some clarity as to like, clarity like what is, yeah <laughs> like what is the thing on the end of the bed and but the th- other thing i do like is that there are moments of humor which i think offsets the uh the horror like when uh the doctor is just sitting there in the room right before that uh, creature goes on the bed <laughs> or after after it goes on the bed and they're kind of wondering what it is and he's been there the whole time it's just funny and then when there's that caretaker he, he stole his coffee and he's like Right. you know stuff weird stuff has been going on and it's like like my coffee's gone and the, doc, the next scene is the doctor sipping <laughs> <laughs> yeah. see i think i would have liked the uh ambiguity at the end because you can have an episode like that you can write an episode like that where you have questions at the end you just need to set it up right and it wasn't the proper payoff and there's a part of me that because i like listen there's a part of me that tries to um retroactively go into my head canon of well this happened this happened this happened so we can't have the ambiguity at the end which aspect of the ambiguity are you referencing uh the whole thing did is was the doctor right that there were these creatures or is it all just coincidence well I, that's what i mean it was because we have the creature storyline we have tanny's storyline we, we, we have clara's storyline and the doctor's kind of integrated in all so you're well, talking my point, about the creatures i'm talking more about well yeah the creatures I mean, I hadn't really thought about it in a specific term. I, I think of it more as like the premise of this episode is the doctor thinks there's this alien race. I don't mind that at the end of the episode, we still don't know if that alien race exists, regardless of how we got there. In fact, I kind of think we got there. I wish we had gotten there in a different method because it doesn't, that ambiguity doesn't pay off in the way that they presented it. Because I am just kind of like, well, which is it? You know, was there a kid under the, the blanket and all that kind of stuff? And, um, I don't know. It's it's one of those things. Was like, eh, don't analyze what we got too much. Just make up your own thing in your head to explain things, and then at the end, just be like, oh yeah, we'll never know. Now I'm thinking, would that have been better if they got out of it and they're like, was that a dream or not? I don't know. Well, yeah, it's kind of like yeah. you know, Inception. Yeah. Spoilers. A movie I hate. Yeah. <laughs> this, this all tracks. This all makes sense. Yes. Um, but there's that one scene where the blanket does come off slowly on the creature and the way it's out of focus, you're like, th- that looks like a gray alien. So Yeah, but later on, don't they say, was it a kid in a mask? Yeah. So it's just funny that they set it up, but then they explain it away in an unsatisfying way, I guess. Well, and then the other thing, too, is, is like, hey, Rupert, in the three or four years that you lived in this place after their visit, did any kid ever go, ha ha, I scared you that one night. And who are those people in your room? Eugene, I think you nailed it with the word unsatisfactory. Like, I think yeah. that's what yeah. like a lot of the episodes felt like on a first watch. And even, you know, after a couple of years, a second watch, you know, it's a good way to describe it. They also introduced a character and I don't know the reason why Orson Pink. Yeah. It's, where was it going? It was telling us, yes, they're going to get together, and then they don't. Is that what the doctor tried to stop while he was saying, oh, yeah, take that for the first date or all this kind of stuff? And just, it just, 
why yeah. bring him into it? Yeah, I know. It, it even remi- like it reminds me of Back to the Future, I guess, two, where he's like, "What's wrong? What's wrong?" It's like, "It's your kids. It's your kids, Marty." Bye. It's like, what is wrong with Orson that? It would have been great that there was something wrong with Orson that the doctor had to prevent from him being born. I don't know. That's that's a di- completely different series season. Right. But, but some yeah. reason that they brought him in. I mean, it just seemed more like a psych out. Yeah. See, they're going to get together. Oh, no, you're going to be shocked when he dies. So they don't have this kid. So this is an alternate future that never happens. Mm-hmm. I guess it's sort of the ramifications of time travel. Like, there are things that are locked points and then there are things that aren't and rarely do we really see the consequences of an unlocked point in time we just see the adventure you know right so, but they didn't really tell no, they didn't just sort of yeah. i don't know i just wanted well, more that's I, just I, I, the season unsatisfactory wanted more yeah. that's our little <laughs> yeah i'm sure there's a way to do it but and, and i get it this is a kid's show so this is not that what we are what we are talking about as adults is not the focus for the audience yeah you know but i'm, a little, I'm getting a little tired of that excuse even though i've used that excuse a lot it's just okay then let, let yeah. me say that this is an action adventure show like what we're talking sure. about like moral and ethical sort of existential crisis type of things yeah. are not the main focus of an action adventure show <laughs> yeah no it's true but but that is the show they write it's they blur that line a lot and it's like they're they basically come up with a super heady isaac asimov story and then say okay how can we do this for kids uh and and that's why i think it doesn't always work or like if they have to cheat cheap out on special effects like it's okay it's a kid's show um or you know we don't have to get that psychological with something it'll just be there because kids aren't going to understand the explanation but it's kind of like they keep feeding us this meal but they don't really you know the check never comes. <laughs> like, right. like specifically with listen, what what eight year old would even know what's going on? Because if we're yeah. a, we're if we're you know adults, if we're old folk, and we're sitting there going, what the what? Um, you know, the eight year old. I don't think there's enough there for a little kid to actually enjoy while all this stuff other stuff is going on. You know, there's no balance to it. Because yeah, it's I agree really... with you, Josh. Where it's like, oh yeah, watch some of the episodes of Doctor Who and tell me it's a kid show. Yeah, you know, it's, it's like it's a kid, it's a show for everybody. Some yeah, episodes and, and, more, some episodes less. Yes. Yeah, yeah. That episode in particular is really creepy. And if I was a little kid, that's what I'm going to remember how creeped out I was. And yeah. a lot of the other stuff that we're talking about that is good in the episode, it's all subtext. And kids don't understand subtext because they don't have the life experience to understand what it's referenced. And uh, there's no Missy tag and listen either. Hmm. One thing, Josh, to... Missy was under the blanket. (laughs) (laughs) Could have been. No, seriously. Oh, that's it. That's it. (laughs) Oh, looks like we've uncovered that. (laughs) Oh, but... (laughs) Josh, going back to what you're saying about the whole exposition, we don't need that. In Dark Water, I think when Clara takes all the seven keys and is going to destroy them, going, no, I saw my great-great-grandson, you know, He's dead, and that didn't, doesn't happen. No, I've seen it in the future. You can fix it. Just that right. line or something where he goes, you know, future does change. It's just something there would have made it work. 
Yeah, just elaborating on a little bit more. I mean, you don't need a whole, like you said, a whole. You don't need a whole scene. You don't need a whole thing. Just a line or two placed mm -hmm. well with what her motivation is. Not only that she loves him, but she's seen the future with yeah. him. And again, I, you know, I know I say, I'm a bit of a broken record with this, but so much happens in an episode. It's easy to either have something fly by you or just forget because like, by the time you're done thinking or before you're done thinking, oh, that's really cool. Whoa, what's this new thing? You know, it's just, there's so much going on. And Boy, they talk fast. Yeah. But maybe that's maybe these scripts are like sixty pages or more, and it's just like, all right, the only way we can do this now, <laughs> without we've cut it down as much as we can. Talk fast, faster, faster, faster more, more intense, intense. <laughs> faster, more, faster, more intense. The force is strong with this one. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. I'm sorry. I've been thinking about it. Hear me out. Missy is the one outside Orson's space pod. <laughs> Doing the banging with her umbrella. Yeah, <laughs> Missy, being a time lord, can get you know like it's the master. So of course, whenever they need it in the script, the master can get in the TARDIS. Missy moves the chalk. Missy, Missy. Oh, so she's is, screwing with him. Yeah, she's setting him all up for this whole thing. See, that would have been a good Kaiser Soze reveal. That would have been much better if, <laughs> ah! if by the end of this season, she was the mastermind behind everything. That would have made so much more sense. Oh, that would have been fun. Man, that would have been really menacing. It would have been really good. Yeah, <laughs> and it would have been, been like, it would have, because the thing about the master is the seasons that he's in, he kind of encapsulates the whole season, you know, and she just really just had weight the last couple episodes so that that would have kind of made her more a part of the whole season so write and it I, I don't huh <laughs> write it, it. <laughs> well yeah. i do want to say though i don't know if everybody's going to get this joke but i know some of you will um that means that it was missy all along <laughs> <laughs> i'm wait, sorry that, i'm wait. loving this what is that from, what is that, from? <laughs> uh, that is from wandavision agatha oh yeah oh oh okay yes yeah yeah with Agatha all along. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Oh, I'm That's loving this. One thing this. that needs to be balanced. One thing that, Josh, the balance of trying to do a season over arc story in individual stories. And that's where you had said earlier, and so that's where it's not working right. You got to tell us some of these things. When it's episodic, you can cut things out because it's more encapsulated. And that's what it seems like with a lot of the Missy things were just thrown in as an end and not really woven in. Yeah. So I going think back they... and seeing some of these things I thought were great, what he's saying, no one watches the dead and all that type of stuff about him wanting to become human because all the other um, clockwork people just stopped, ceased to exist. He died to him. Once he actually died and had become human, he was able to go to the promised land. So, I mean, having those things are good, but just having some of the Missy things at the end didn't give any more information. It was just thrown in as a tag. Go, oh yeah, that's right. There's a season arc we have to somehow do. Okay, don't forget. What? No, I was just saying it's like, hey, hey, don't forget. Remember this uh -oh. thing. I uh, I wonder, and I'd love to know right. what people's opinions on this is. At during the time of listen, how much do you think they had actually specifically plotted out to happen for the rest of the season? They kind of, I'm sure they kind of knew that Missy was going to be, you know, the necromancer rising people from the dead. But did they know specifically what was going to happen with Danny? Did they know it was going to, you know, how Clara was going to fit into all this? Or do you think it was just kind of like they made it up and it just, you know, if they had had more of a plan, it might have worked out better. In general, writers' rooms, they beat out the whole season before they start writing scripts. Like they have it up on a board. 
just in really broad strokes what happens um i don't know if they did that here you, you know or 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 they did it so vaguely that they maybe got lost like you're saying so i don't know but that's how eugene, it usually it's done it usually is because eugene Over here, remember in the wider writer's tale yeah it, it, russell, russell had no idea well he also had <laughs> meetings where he knew where to put like where to put certain things like he knew at least bad wolf where yes. where with now what we're seeing with moffat in this uh first season of capaldi's it feels like ideas were more uh, improvisational because courtney woods what was the point of her she kind of just disappears after kill the moon it, it would have been logical if she showed up in in the forest of the night but it's a completely different uh age group yeah. it's also a different class yeah. <laughs> than we've been uh, accustomed to and then with orson pink it feels like another thing let's spend a couple episodes with this character and never see him again yeah so it feels like all these things that moffat wants to bring up are dropped i think that i think they bit off a little bit more than they could chew they have a lot packed into this season especially with a new doctor and they also lost an episode this is uh 12 episodes as opposed to 13. Oh, why was that? I don't know, but this is the first time we've had one less mm -hmm. episode. And the BBC is being cheap at this point. Yeah. And, and See, that's explaining everything episode. <laughs> oh, <you're> right. Yeah. <laughs> this is a recap episode. It's the third one from the end. Let's recap it's the yeah. Christmas, yeah, it's let's... Christmas exposition. Right. But yeah, back to the writer's tale, the the book about Russell writing and all of his uh his time on his era, his first era, as as it were. I feel like he did a lot more thinking of how he can make it work as opposed to let's just go with what feels good and in the moment, which I feel is sort of what's going on in this season. Hmm. But if I'm remembering correctly, the Doctor Donna bit at the end of season four. He had no idea. That just kind of came about at the at the last minute. And he was like, oh, my, you know, hey, the Ood said the Dr. Donna. I can build on that. While he was writing that episode, that wasn't planned. So it's just kind of like, I, I just kind of look at this episode and go, it just seems kind of sloppy. And I don't, Moffat is such a good writer when he's on. It's like, what what was happening in production that made this season sloppy? It could be that they were getting pressure from the BBC because the BBC hated Capaldi's Doctor. All right, the fifth episode in the season is Time Heist. This is the one where it's a caper and the doctor has to have a sort of ragtaggy team go into the world's most secure vault and get something out of it. <laughs> well, so speaking, this, speaking of yeah. a kid's show, the whole uh, teller with the soup and the the brain dome yeah. thing is, that sticks with you. It's a, it's a good image. It's a bit but much. Yeah. 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 Well, I think it's good for kids. I think some of them would go, oh my God, that's so cool. And some would just be so dis disgusted yeah. and hide behind yeah. the sofa. <laughs> just, so Plus I thought also, it was so overly dramatic. I thought that was, yeah, kids would be affected by it. And I thought oh, I was good with that. Plus the creature is so cool looking. Yeah, they spent a lot of time on that prosthetic. They did, yeah. Oh, even Capaldi mentions how good it looked when it first was on set. And they're like, oh, we can actually react to something. <laughs> <laughs> I feel overall this is an episode that because I like heist movies. So this is one of them that it's like, I will sit down and enjoy the ride, but you shouldn't analyze it. Yeah. Even though we have a podcast that does that, this is yeah, just one it, of those have fun with it. 
what I find what mo- what's most impressive looking back on that episode is how minimal the action and sets are. Like, mm-hmm. re- really, I know it's got the sci-fi elements and stuff, but they're obviously using the same two hallways. Um, you know, it's it's all all of the tension comes from dialogue and them explaining the situation that they're in. Um, and I'm I'm saying it's good. It's 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 impressive to you know to not have to rely on look they're about to fall off a cliff or this that yeah it's like they could die at any moment but they're just sitting in front of a console in a hallway they do get shot at i mean that's true but 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 even that it's like it's it's very basic all the 80s lighting stuff like that but um it's impressive i did like it i thought it was an intense or interesting story and i liked mm-hmm. it i wish the ending would have been a little more spoon-fed to me it just was like yeah. a snippet of what they did before when they were recording that uh, dialogue to themselves is of my free will, right. racing my memory, just to give a little bit more why he's doing it. It was told to us. I guess I guess I wanted to show him, like Eugene G says. Yep. So you kind of got it, but with everything else going on, it, was, it seemed the important definition was being lost of what was actually happening or why I did it. It was there, you get it, but you didn't get the emotional part of it, I guess. When the doctor figures out, who the architect is it's like we know this and so that was a nice callback that the doctor hates himself you yeah. know the whole dream doctor and other things where he can see the dark side of him and that he doesn't like so it's kind of like okay <laughs> i like that and the time heist was our first unanimous categorization of an episode we all voted it into casual mm. yeah that's it's fair it's the first yeah, time this has show. happened in a while it's kind of fun I noticed this and I think like we do our podcast episodes and we watch it twice and we analyze it, we take notes and we see all this kind of stuff and we, you know, we like it or dislike it, but then you watch it again without analyzing it and suddenly it's just a lot more fun to watch. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And there are some great scenes in all of these episodes that I just don't really think about because of the whole overarch story and what happens in the whole episode but taking some of the stuff out of each one is some great scenes some great dialogue some great acting some great shots i mean it's just you can appreciate that yeah my view on the season is very complicated but it also has changed yeah, and i sure. really I, i i wish i could go through if i had the ability i want to go through every of Capal- every one of capaldi's episodes and just take scenes that he's in and cut everything else because <laughs> honestly i just i'm i'm just i'm amazed at his acting you know and we i you know it's like the first time you watch it, it's like oh yeah he's a really good actor but now it's just kind of like wait he did like six emotions in that one facial move there was that one spot i can't remember which episode i think it's the next one that i just we paused because something was going on oh, yeah it had danny the doctor and clara just frozen on screen all looking and all of their faces were so different and so expressive about oh my god they're each feeling something so different it's just that one pause <laughs> just randomly it was great i'm so pissed Whoa. i didn't take a photo of it <laughs> also and in just, time just to be clear there are still problems with this season i think oh, we're yeah. all seeing the good stuff because we had talked about all the negative in a lot of the individual episodes and how we came into it but there are still the problems there are still the issues with it yeah so we were just ragging on season, the issues but... for about 20 minutes <laughs> i know but it's like oh, that was one episode but i'm thinking the whole thing the way i'm sounding at least it's like i really like it but you know it's like no this isn't my favorite season these aren't some of my favorite but there are some really good things in there that get overlooked by some of the others and so there's still yeah. the flaws in there and i still see them but at least i've learned now that i can appreciate other aspects of it yeah and the, the last thing on time packs there is no missy tag where it feels like there should have been uh, the sixth episode, 
the, oh, the sunken head guy. Yeah, yeah. The, all the uh, the people that were guilty of uh, thinking yeah, bad thoughts. And okay. Mrs. and Ms. Brax, uh, Kara Braxos, holding started with her on her deathbed, following yeah. the doctor. Oh yeah, okay. So having her would have been a great ending yeah, to it, yeah. where she's going to the promised land after this. Right, and the sixth episode is the caretaker, where the doctor disguises himself as the caretaker at the Coal Hill School, and he thinks that this disguise of putting on a new jacket is really working. <laughs> 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 and besides that, there is a Skullbox Blitzer that is threatening the uh, the students at the school and the school in general. So that's why the doctor is there to figure out what's going on with this uh, kind of rogue uh, war machine, shall we say? And Danny can really so. jump. Yeah. <laughs> uh, this is there. There is a uh, Missy tag at this one. This is the first time we see a person that is a non-artificial person. This is the uh, the police constable that goes in to look after those delinquent kids and then wanders into the abandoned derelict building. So this one was the one where I go, oh, what's going on? For me anyway, like what's going on with this uh, ending? Promised Land was, I thought, for robots and artificial people. And then now it's a real person. And this is also the first time we see Seb, who is also with Missy in the Promised Land. I remember I talking at the... <clears throat> Sorry. Uh, never mind. Go ahead, Ken. He's the person who um, takes you in and questionnaire and all that. Right. Okay. Um, but this, I remember, it's only halfway through the season. And so for us, it wasn't that long of a time period from when Danny first came in in the second episode. But I remember all these discussions, I was going, well, they really escalated their relationship really quickly. And a lot of people don't get that line. Excuse me, I'm going to stage this. <laughs> um, really likes this episode. <laughs> <laughs> that... With Courtney, the parents had talked to Danny saying, last year you said she was this. Now she's only partly that. So she's making improvement. Um, so that means Danny's been there for over a year, at least. Yep. So it could have been longer. So he and Clara have had all that time off screen that we never saw. And we talked about it in the episode that that's why she was able to say, I love him. They've, and for the first time they met, they went on a date, you know? Yeah. So they set up for that. So they've been interested in each other dating each other for at least a year so it, it's it's not surprising that it could have grown that far but it was just a huge jump for the relationship for us as an audience watching it because it wasn't really laid out how yeah. long it's actually been and you have to be really paying attention to get that line from their pe uh, their parent teacher conference meetings because you go for the joke yeah well so she's improving <laughs> yeah know? you said really irritating not just irritating okay <laughs> Maybe that was the episode, the 13th episode that uh, they had to take out. It was all, it's just a dating montage for 40 minutes. Yeah. <laughs> well, it could have covered the ground of that relationship you know, or, or yeah, dressed we talked it. About, yeah, we talked about the episode about rather than just having them see on other dates, having them be time for specific as in Christmas or different holidays. Yeah. Birthday yeah, party yeah. or someone's birth of a kid thing. Yeah. You know. That's well, like, true because the dates were just, they could have been the same month. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh -huh. The way the way it was edited. Yeah. Like if you had the seasonal stuff like Halloween, that's a marker in the year for time. And then Christmas is another one. And yeah, lost opportunity there. Flag day. Yeah. Boxing day. It, it never, I mean, this is kind of funny for a time travel show, but it never really mattered before with the companion of where in the companions, how long have the companion been doing this? Until eh, a little bit, Amy. But until. Until we it's get been the, 12, years, 12 months. But until oh. we get the part-time companion, that's when it The part-time companion, yes. 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 Yeah, totally. And yes. it 
so we're, it's like we're not used to it and i don't like it but that's beside the point um but like at least you know we're not expecting it so at least explain it to us spoon yeah, feed it point. to us the first time yeah you know where it's like oh it's been a year okay because i think we're also kind of used like if you watch it weekly you kind of feel a week has passed right <laughs> and it's just a week which is total bs but it's just kind of how you feel about it so yeah. unless they specify yeah unless they specify so it really is like it's a year later i mean they do it better with amy and rory but even with amy and rory it's like you've been traveling with him for 10 years yeah it doesn't feel like it no it kind of feels like it when you rewatch, but not yeah. when you initially First watch it's yeah. like okay and then with with clara it's just it's like apparently it's been so long she's had time to go to university and get her schooling degree that's yeah. just an aspect of her life we didn't know yet because i like uh, clara so i was like okay she's she's already going to that while she's babysitting the kids that's why it's helping her to like stay home she can work on the computer while watching them and doesn't have to go to a different nine to five job where she can't spend that time going through the homework or doing the work at university so it's mm. like okay that gives her a little more freedom that's how i justify it at least and, oh, okay and she was also a part-time perfume model too <laughs> And then eventually she'll hit a waitressing job at a diner. Yes. <laughs> also I mean, something flexible when you're going to school. They, I mean, now that you brought that up, thinking about this season, they could have peppered in certain things like her haircut. It changes almost every episode. But we as watchers of the show attribute it to the time travel aspect. Like you have to sort of blend in. Like the mummy on the Orient Express, she's wearing like a more period appropriate like 20s 30s uh hairstyle and then in uh robot of sherwood it's longer because of that time period as well so we could have done something with that to show passage of time in her modern day job mm -hmm. just something just yeah we needed some like an anchor point like a like a jackie or a mickey mm -hmm. that allows us to say to give exposition like oh it's been a year it's been 12 months. It's been what, whatever. So the next episode, episode seven is Kill the Moon. This is where the doctor takes Courtney Woods on her, I guess, second trip in the TARDIS. And they go far into the future where the moon is hatching because it's an egg and it's causing a lot of Earth disturbances. Well, it's not far in the future, but... <laughs> 2049, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. It's closer than it feels. Yeah, I know. This one and Forest of the Night, we get like these big events that the the TARDIS crew is there for, but they don't really like affect the natural yes. events. Yeah. So like they Well there was the potential to affect it. Yeah. But yeah. they didn't. But they <laughs> that didn't. was that was the whole that was the whole point of the episode. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's funny. Those two episodes that you brought up, Alburn, they're like uh, the Raiders of the Lost Ark uh, mm -hmm. effect. Yeah. yeah. I, I have contention with that. Okay. Raiders of the Lost Ark effect. <laughs> I don't know if I, we wanted to digress about that right now. But. Later, because we, we could probably go on hours for that, because that's a good yeah. one. Yeah, it's a good d debate. And we'll, I'd want to we'll... watch the movie again right before we did. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. but, but I think I'm in the minority where I like Kill the Moon a little bit more than everybody here. I, and I and I can't really explain why. I just I think it's the doctor being the doctor for me, and he hasn't been the doctor that I am used to in the previous episodes. Mm -hmm. The science is eh. it is yeah. 
I acknowledge that. <laughs> I ended up liking it again more when on second watch, and uh, I don't think I did. I, I disliked the episode overall, but the you know the agenda of uh, that they had with that issue of, of of reproductive rights was just so weighty, and it, it, to me, it took away from the fact that this is. It, it, it just felt like it had too much of an agenda. It makes it a little hard for me to kind of like sit back and enjoy it. But I thought the debate was even more than that. And that I wanted more of the debate. The whole idea of, do you kill baby Hitler? Right. Because you, know, you know what's going to happen. So the yeah. whole moral debate, I wanted more. Yeah. yeah. Well, I think mm -hmm. that's where they were taking that debate uh, uh, literally. But it was obviously a metaphor for today-ish, today even because it was a few years ago, today's society about it. Make up. Yeah, no, yeah. I no, yeah. Because <laughs> I do say that. <laughs> but, a lot. And, and I actually don't even think it made what what I was impressed with it this last time I watched it was it was heavily laying out that agenda, but it didn't take sides, which was the point they were trying to make. Like this isn't a they're right, they're wrong thing. This is a horrible situation. To me, they didn't show the devastation on Earth. They didn't show all the people who have already died all the children, babies who have died because the moon is doing this. Think about yeah, okay. the children. Yeah. No, but I mean, I that's the whole thing. Do we have no, one No, but it's true. Life? I agree with you, Frank. You know, it's like, well, what about the lives that it killed to get to this point? And I don't disagree with you, Josh. Yeah, I'm forgetting a few of the details like you're just talking about right now. So I'd have to watch it again. But you get my drift. Like, it was just I like, do, I do. It was so obvious what they were, what the subtext was, the societal subtext. It kept it. It's not that it was bad, it just kept taking me out of it. But the episode itself, enjoyed a hell of a lot more, just like the other ones, than I did originally. Right. Mm -hmm. uh, there's no Missy tag for Kill the Moon either. Is that three in a row? You would, you would think that, you know, the moon would just have shown up in the promised land. Right. <laughs> We're going to need a bigger promised land. <laughs> no, no it becomes another sphere itself. That's it. We now have a, a place to house them. <laughs> no, uh, Alburn, uh, the P uh, police constable was with Missy and the caretaker. Oh, okay. Then we next one on episode eight is Mummy on the Orient Express. Clara reconsiders her decision to resume traveling with the doctor, and they go on board this uh, train in space where there is a mummy that is killing people 66 seconds before they or the mummy appears 66 seconds before that person dies and so the doctor is trying to find out what's going on i do like this one i liked it better i originally did not like this episode it is kind of silly in a way but i remember when i originally watched the run i was like that was surprisingly good it just felt like a doctor who episode which is essentially a twilight zone I think this is what I call the death of Danny Pink, or Orson Pink, the Orson. death of Orson Pink. Yeah. Because she gives up to her addiction and goes to the doctor and lies to Danny, and it's like, this is where she made the change. This is where history changed. Yeah, and I think my initial reaction of not liking this episode is that from Kill the Moon, the uh, Clara is really upset with the doctor, and it's just like, how dare you put me in this position? You're my friend. For next week, we tuned in for Mummy on the Orient Express, and they're like going on, on the one last hurrah sort of thing. I was like, I needed an episode. Personally, I just needed that time to kind of digest what happened, or or I wanted the characters to digest what happened. Yeah, yeah that would have been good. 
this this is yeah like really starts to hurt Claire's character because of so much like lies and falsehoods and back and forth like I think as an audience member you want to have a clear a more clear expectation and um uh, of a character's decisions like you want to yeah like be able to predict them and so when they start to become unpredictable and just like contrary it's hard to continue to root for that character mm -hmm. because then it's it's the consistency thing people have to be consistent with their character so that they can change over time and to me it, i had no problem with it there was no missy tag at mummy on the Orient express it felt like there could have been one there too <laughs> The soldier finally yeah. released yeah. from the mummy. Oh, well, man. and all the victims. Unless if all of them were holograms. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Which again was very inconsistent logic. I'm like, well, well yeah. those people who died got disintegrated, though, eh? Even the uh, police constable got disintegrated by the Scovox Blitzer. Okay. So it's it's inconsistent. Yeah. Yeah. They did get in the "Are you my mummy?" line. Oh yeah, <laughs> the callback. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that was good. <laughs> that was a good episode. It was fun. Again, uh, one that I enjoyed more uh, revisiting. Uh, next up is Flatline. This is the one where it is the Doctor Light episode, where Clara meets Rigsy, a uh, graffiti artist that is going on community service, and we find out that there is a two-dimensional alien species that is crossing over into three dimensions with uh, murderous uh, consequences, let's say. Is it really a Doctor Light episode? I mean, he's, he's only in one location, but he's in it throughout, like constantly. I think for a Dr. Light episode, they really uh, disguised it well. I thought it was a great episode. I love the yeah. whole, all the visual gags. Uh, well, I really love the visual gags of the monster of the week, but even just the small TARDIS and all the things that went went on with that, and, uh, her purse, yeah. it, was just, it, was, it was a lot of fun. Yeah, this one was one I definitely remember enjoying and then revisiting it and still enjoyed it equally, if not more. I like especially the uh, they're called the boneless when they finally put on like the skin of their victims. It looks very much like a stop motion Harryhausen horror type of thing. And I like that homage unintentional or intentional. And they're all flat, that. but I just I could just hear them going, look, we did it. We're just three dimensional like that. <laughs> <laughs> they, they won't even tell the difference. <laughs> This one we had mostly new. We, we would recommend for a new viewer, except for Frank, that put it into a cash room. I could change mine. <laughs> I no. Even at the time, it was like I was back and forth. But it's, a, I think, pretty good standalone. So I could mm -hmm. definitely agree the new would be okay. <laughs> I have to go back and listen to what my arguments were. Was there a Missy tag? We say? Oh yes, say. there is a Missy tag, but this one is completely with Missy looking at Clara through some sort of security feed that is like right there on the TARDIS somewhere. Mm -hmm. Like there's a camera, it's like really close on Clara. Right. So that that proves that that supports your theory. Brian's theory? Brian. Mm -hmm. No, your theory. Oh, well, Brian's theory. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that, yeah Brian's theory. <laughs> Thanks for catching up. We are all it's in the Missy same all spot. along. <laughs> yes. Don't go any longer than that. We have to pay. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> but who will we pay? The Munsters producers? Or the WandaVision producers? Or if we did the thing, 
uh, the Adams Family producers for Flatline <laughs> with the uh, the hand moving the TARDIS. Oh, right, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, the tenth episode of the season is in the forest of the night, where next, <laughs> <laughs> where Danny and Clara take a group of uh, school kids to sleep over in a museum, and when they wake up, the whole world has been invaded by forest trees. Not so familiar. Is now graduated. <laughs> like how much yeah. time has gone by now? Uh, like I said before, I like this episode, except like, uh, and I as much as I dislike the last two minutes of with the sister in the bush. <laughs> yeah, that was such a tag. If there ever was a tag, I think it's very funny. A lot of great comedic cinematography, comedic acting. The kids were funny. Um, I, I get what you guys are saying when you, what you don't like about it and stuff, but it didn't bother me. So I, I found it to be a fun episode. I remember not liking this episode the first time I watched it, but it was it was passable revisiting it. I can't stand this episode. <laughs> <laughs> I think this one was more uh, creative for younger viewers. This could have been a point where they could explain passage of time, why now Clara and Danny have I guess a joint class or different students with them, but uh, whatever. Definitely felt late in the game for their relationship stuff. Like, yes, but yeah, weird episode. And I guess it could have been put a couple different places, but yeah, hard with the kids not being the same kids that we've seen earlier. Definitely feels weird that Courtney is not part of this uh, field trip, if you will. I didn't like any of those other kids, so I was happy to see new ones. I like, I, I enjoyed all these kids. Uh, Courtney and the other, I mean, Courtney's last episode was a lot better with her and stuff, but like, I just found them kind of grating. Well, it definitely well, th- felt like we went from that realistic, more gritty uh, British high school to mm-hmm. a more pop sitcom type of student. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, yeah, grade school. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, they were grade school. Well, like any of these kids that are in this um, museum field trip, I feel like if they had been earlier in the Courtney Woods position, it would have been a better payoff. I personally would have liked to see Clara's reasons for being attracted to Danny earlier in the season. Mm-hmm. Like to have it this late in the game feels it's too it's again too late. Right. And that's you, a good point. I like that. You could have even had the one girl's sister disappear in an earlier episode oh, yeah and then absolutely pay it off later like yeah or he could have just left it out because it didn't yes. add anything <laughs> yeah except it, confusion yes <laughs> but Auburn, you're right it seems odd that they had two world ending episodes in this season that's not part of the main episode not yeah. part of the overall arc arc yeah uh, moffat was working through something this <laughs> I don't know why. I do also remember the third season of Sherlock was its well, it oh, wasn't very good. Yeah. The fourth no, season was worse, but the third I, season, yeesh. Oh, I, I thought so. There were four seasons, whatever the last season was. The last season was I'm, terrible. That was the fourth, which was the one with this with the sister. Fourth, yeah. Nah, I, I was trying to convince myself it's still okay, just different, but then halfway through, I'm like this is not any good. I just want to know how it ends. So I kept watching. All right, I'll do the the last two episodes as one because that's how they're listed. <laughs> uh, Dark Water is episode 11 and Death in Heaven is episode 12. This is where uh, we find out 
that Missy is behind everything and she is reviving or making her versions of Cybermen using all of the dead people from Earth. Uh, like all of the people that have died on Earth are now been cyberized. And then Death in Heaven is where Danny is fighting the cyberization. And uh, yeah. <laughs> and then we get a, a bad cameo of the Brigadier. <laughs> uh, overall, I love Missy Gomez. Uh, Michelle Gomez. Yeah. <laughs> I, yeah. I, I think I, I kind of feel like, like we talked about it, the second episode has more shortcomings than the first and stuff. But like the, the good parts of these, this episode arc and and her uh, compensate for it to me. Yeah, she really chews the scenery really well. Yeah, yeah. You just that, want that more. That could have been really unbearable to watch with a bad actor yeah but she's able to pull it off yeah very much so so we put uh dark water all of us put into die hard and i think it's because of the uh all the knowledge you have to know Mm -hmm. yeah and i i specifically put into die hard because of the homages and the tributes that they did to classic who with the tomb of the cybermen it's kind of set up and all of that stuff so there's a lot going on for um longtime Hoovians in dark water and then in death of heaven does it live up to the promises set up in the first half which is dark water we all said yes i think i said sure yeah <laughs> and oh, yes it so, does live up to it but it was a way i didn't want it to yes you know, it was a sad ending for a series yeah. and then the, like they recreated the cybermen marching off of us is it saint paul's cathedral yeah yeah, so again, that's something that you wouldn't know if you were not a right uh, a classic Who watcher. Yeah, but this season's finale was not my favorite. <laughs> it's it's kind of sad that if they did have Missy shoot all of her stuff at the end, um, or Michelle Gomez shoot all of her Missy stuff kind of towards the end of production before airing started, you know, I wish the the final reveal was teased a little bit better in some of those you mean dark oh you're not talking about dark water when she reveals who she is i'm talking about like the reveal of it being um the nether sphere and the cybermen like okay. something mm-hmm. a little bit more those early ones where they were going to the promised land like that that we could look back later and be like oh there's that symbol yeah. like or oh there's that but yeah. like uh yeah because it, it does make it feel like at least having not gone back for another time and rewatched, they do feel very separated. Like the the idea of the promised land at the beginning of the season mm-hmm. compared to what it becomes in this finale. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Which again, kind of makes me wonder how much did they know mm-hmm. when they started writing the season? Yeah, because if you take Death in Heaven and Deep Breath, I feel like they're in two separate seasons. Mm-hmm. It does feel very, oh, excuse me. That's right, we're recording a show. Um, <laughs> it doesn't feel the whole se- the season overall I like much better the second time now that I've watched it but it is not even mm-hmm. oh very by much any, by yeah. any means yes totally agree it's like uh, it's an EKG of someone having a heart attack not that I wanted to flatline ah <laughs> uh, see yeah, yeah now because of what you said Eugene I kind of want to watch Deep Breath and Death in Heaven back to back like you know even cutting out dark water i just want to see the person last and go what was this season i want to do that i gotta watch it back to back now i mean you're gonna get the tag of the promised land but that's about it 
as far as like well similar some you know connected right tissue. no i agree with you i yeah. just i want to see it <laughs> really weird because like we were saying that deep breath has such a different vibe of yeah. the show and i would say uh what is it heaven what death in heaven De- I th- uh, and i would say death in heaven feels like dr Ho- you know it just feels like a doctor I, Who episode. I, th- I think i agree with that yeah uh, and not in a bad way it's just it really that really reminds me of the last saxon episode mm. it just ha- it has that feel things mm-hmm. are taking over the world there's a bunch of cybermen someone's in charge you know master's in charge blah, blah, you know there's all this running around um heroic actions by whoever they may be and then just the style of the cinematography and stuff like that it just felt like a good old doctor who episode but deep breath was like what is this who is that what is happening you know when when it first aired mm-hmm. yeah i still love that about deep breath i love well, the now fact I do. Again, oh by the way ambiguity this is a great example of ambiguity did he push the guy or did the guy fall i like that we don't know oh and Wait, deep breath he, he got he got pushed yeah but i like that we don't know um you know it it, it it's kind of like okay we're going for a different kind of doctor and then they really didn't follow up on that mm-hmm yeah, um, they chickened out. They really mm-hmm. chickened out. Um, yeah, no. To your point, Brian, I really like that episode now. Deep breath. Yeah, but it threw me for a real loop, uh, and I, I think it. And right, you know, coming off of Matt Smith, who I, I think I just I binged those episodes. I, you know, when when I was watching them, and it kind of like set me up not to like the next mm-hmm. few, which is why I think I had that experience. Yeah. yeah i mean it was the time period that happens with every doctor where it's like you're not matt smith yeah you're not the it's previous doctor you know i'm i know they didn't set out to do it to do the regeneration thing original originally originally but like it's a brilliant device for, for television makers you know um but it does come with those consequences i was just looking at the wikipedia article and it does have in the forest of the night as the last block of production in the series um and also interesting that just uh looking at the director writer producer of it they are not like involved with the other episodes where many of the other writer producers did multiple episodes uh Mm -hmm. the folks that were doing in the forest of the night were only on that one yeah might yeah just, it seem, it does seem very much like the this is the final episode before we ramp up to the season finale. And then we forgot about in Death in Heaven when Jenna Coleman is credited before Peter Capaldi and her face appears in the star starfield. Mm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> further yeah, I don't know uh, what you're talking about. Yeah, further cementing uh Moffat's uh obsession with Jenna Coleman or Clara. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go into potential companions that we have come across in this season in deep breath we may be courtney woods <laughs> but no not really because we have the pot master gang who i who didn't i sort of say it sorry didn't well, we say I... at the time that it would be great if they had if he had picked up courtney when she was an adult you know it's like okay he jumps 15 years into the future and mm-hmm. then brings courtney in as a companion i think that could have worked but then also in the breath we have the pot master gang who i sort of lump into our pseudo companions already yeah i agree and then so in the next one is uh into the dalek i thought journey blue had some promise 
even yes. though the even though the doctor denies her uh, request to come on board. No, she would have been good, good. She would have been a good foil to the doctor, but also a good, you know, step in for the audience because she's new, new, and knows yeah. nothing, and yeah. isn't at that point to accept these things. I also think that's why I like Kill the Moon is because Courtney Woods becomes that surrogate audience member for us, where we haven't had that because Jenna Coleman is already used to traveling with the Eleventh Doctor. Anyway, that's just me huh. jumping ahead a little bit. Uh, Robot of Sherwood. I guess Robin Hood. I don't know if anybody. I would any, say. Well, did he? He did. Did he go into the TARDIS? No, I'm saying these are potential companions. Potential companions. Um. Uh, yeah, I would say so because he he's not like he he ends up not being the subject of the actual episode, and he, then he works in cahoots with them. Yeah, and and that scene where they're in the dungeon just going yeah. tit for tat. Imagine yeah. that and, for a whole season. <laughs> and, and there is a there is a like a relationship arc that happens between him and the doctor where they end up somewhere different than they were in the beginning. Mm-hmm. I have a confession yeah. to make. I yes. wasn't I wasn't in the podcast for this episode, so I still not watched it. <laughs> oh, oh, I watched it when it first aired, and that's the last time I watched it. So everything you guys are talking about, it's like. But you, right. but you, di- but you did give me your uh, category was Die Hard. <laughs> That's what I remember. Well, of. I, I will, I will say, Brian, that was another one that, like, I did not want to watch it again. I remember hating it, and I ended up having a, re- a really good time watching it. Yeah, I do need to watch it. I, I'll definitely watch it in the near well, future. It, it, it's hard, like, and I know I repeat myself, but um, when you don't know where the episode's going, sometimes some of it's intolerable, and then when you in hindsight when you do know where the episode's going watching it again is extremely enjoyable yeah yeah there's a lot of that in this season it would be cool to get a modern companion that is like out of the ordinary for like not contemporary like they did that before right like there yeah. was a Adric. yeah it, yeah we'd be cool to see that in the modern day who victoria jamie <laughs> is that polly Lato? yeah sorry i'm just there's yeah. a lot. <laughs> when, you know, I, I, just before I forget, I just want to say, I can't remember. Was it Eugene? Somebody said it was, you know, um, Courtney became the voice of the audience. Yeah. That was that. I think that might be a good overall problem with this season is there's yes. no voice for the audience. Yes. In this entire season, there's no yeah. voice for the audience. And that's what the companion does. So not only is it bad to not have the voice of the audience, you've suddenly taken that traditional voice and made it the most important, all no, all knowledgeable thing. You've turned it on its head and it doesn't work. I hadn't thought it that that was a good, I'm glad that was brought up because I think that could be one of my major problems with this. There's nobody representing me. Yeah, and I think that's why um, when we were talking about Kill the Moon, I'm like, why do I really like this more than we are discussing at this moment? And it just, that's what's great about this podcast is that you have time to digest these things and percolate and mm-hmm. then then articulate them. And hope, thank you, Ender. <laughs> <laughs> he agrees. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's what I think is great about going through these episodes for, for this season, would that be Danny Pink? Would he be the closest to... It should have been. Yeah. Should have been. But he's the character who, like, everyone is lying to, the Doctor yeah. and the Companion. Like, so maybe that's and, why we didn't like it, because we were getting that... 
kind yeah. of stuff insulting us. Yes, yeah. yeah. Like you, you yeah. keep saying, Clara, that you don't want to go back to the doctor, that you choose me, i.e. Danny, but then you do it. I don't know. So yeah, we're the ones getting lied Rejected to. Rejected and, and yeah. lied to, yeah. Yeah, from all sides. And disrespected. Yeah. yeah. It's not good. <laughs> all right, uh, next episode is Listen, so I guess Orson Pink? <laughs> Aww. Oh. The kid Aww. under the blanket? So you do it okay. <laughs> <laughs> and lying down. Yeah, oh, yeah and, he I mean, he could have. He could have, but I, there's nobody else really in that episode. Yeah. yeah. I say no. His whole idea was wanting to get home. He doesn't want this anymore. Yeah, yeah. He wasn't like enamored by any of it. And then uh, next up is Time Heist. We had uh, Sai and Cybra that were a part of the uh, the gang, if you will, to break in. They, they both could have been good. I don't know if either one. You think? I thought. Yeah, I do. Because yeah. again, sometimes. they would have they, they brought a different energy, and also they mm -hmm. are not contemporary. Maybe not both. But if they had picked one of them, I'd have been fine with yeah. either one. Mm -hmm. uh, and then in the caretaker, Courtney Woods <laughs> again. <laughs> I mean, she becomes a companion. Yeah. Sort of well, like by the definition sure. of a companion by Kill yeah. the Moon. Right. But I, I have expected her to stick around. And I know. Me too. Yeah. So then in, in Kill the Moon, we only have Ludwig and the other astronaut that eventually dies. So. Uh, then Mummy on the Orient Express, Perkins, we, we agreed that he would have been okay. <laughs> then uh, next up is Flatline, Riggsy. Yes. Yes. I think he would have been good. Yeah, I like Riggsy. And I think we're going to see him again in a small appearance. Yeah, we will. And then in the Forest of the Night, we had all the school kids, which some people may not want. <laughs> but they did travel in the TARDIS. That's true. To some comical effect, I just remember really, really smiling when uh, the doctor's looking for Mabe and he goes to each kid like, Mabe, Mabe. <laughs> yeah, that was one of my favorite bits. That was one yeah. Of my favorite bit. And then in Dark Water and Death in Heaven, uh, we're just dealing with the people we've dealt with before. So I don't yeah. see anybody new. Cyber yeah. Danny might have made a good companion. That would have oh, been a, a that would have been a very awkward, odd, odd couple. Yeah, it would have been handles too. Z zombies, <laughs> handles too. I say no yeah. to Sam. Dark water, a... dark water. There was somebody that should have been companion. Oh. Give me, give me a hint. They killed him. Um, I'll take a selfie for you. Oh, when, no. yeah, why am I blanking? No longer wearing a scarf, but wearing a bow tie because bow ties are cool. Oh, um, Osgood. Osgood. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Yeah, she, she totally should companion. have been. That, that's my they, least favorite death, I think, in yeah. all of that. Same here. Too. Same here. It was just point. not because it happened, because it happened and it made her look like an idiot. Yeah. Yeah. She would not have followed. I got what about Kate? Sorry. What about Kate? Well, we're, we're going to see her again, so I kind of... You know, she, to me, you know. she, she feels <laughs> like a, a pseudo-companion. Yeah. She does. I kind of... I, I don't know if I can put it into words, but I kind of like the fact that she's not her companion. Yeah. Oh, I kind of like, yeah, I she's like really, really good. And I kind of like that she has that distance uh -huh. to this. She just pops in every once in a while and then goes back to unit. I don't know how much her character would age if we saw them every week. Right. True. But I like, I, I really like her as a recurring character. Yes. Yeah. yeah. 
very much. And I think I think that's why her being one note is good because we need that one note every once in a while. Mm-hmm. And she makes she makes unit feel less Orwellian, like yeah, she does soften you know military it up. like she adds she kind of brings some humanity to unit whereas they could just seem like this big SWAT army that we that no one likes. Yeah, because previously when we've seen unit in the modern who the the commander or the person in charge is always wearing a uniform where she is wearing mm-hmm. like business attire right so i do like that change it's usually when you see a character like that who's going against your main character you kind of like hey don't say that's my main character uh but <laughs> no but her, she pulls it off she pulls it off but i never feel like angry at her no i don't either yeah yeah in a good way i'm just, I'm just yeah, saying yeah. she's a good She's she's a good energy there, and I, and, I, and I appreciate the difference because it could have just been some soldier who's yelling. Had yeah. you traveled in the TARDIS? I don't think so. That's why I not was like, yet. not yet. Yeah, not yet. She will. And I was very happy at that point. It was just kind of like she's an official companion. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think they casted her very well. It's a it's a combination of her acting lineage and I think that character's uh, backstory as well. Mm-hmm. That, that kind of ingratiates us to her and whatever she does. Yeah. Anyway, any other final notes on season eight? Uh, I just I think the baggage of Clara was what killed it for me. So if you just started with it this troubles season, with Clara. Yeah. <laughs> then you won't have some of that extra stuff from before. That but yeah, it's true. a good way to start. It's a good season to start off. So Doctor Who Season 8 is available on DVD and Blu-ray, and currently it is available to watch streaming on Max and in the DVD, or the sorry, the Blu-ray home entertainment release, whatever, there is commentary on Into the Dalek. Oh, there is. Ro- Robot of Sherwood, Kill the Moon, and that's it. So yeah, that wraps up Season 8 of Doctor Who. Thanks for listening, stay safe, and we'll see you next time when the future becomes the present. You just listened to an episode of Who Knew? Our wonderful theme music is by Michael Grady. Find him on Facebook at The Universe Explodes. Additional music is by Damiel Paggio. All our episodes are engineered by Auburn, and you can find him at auburnbinkley.com. You can also find this show in several places. Follow us on Twitter at Who Knew Podcast. Subscribe, review, and listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or on our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash whonewpodcast. All our episodes are on whonewpodcast.com. Visit our Facebook page. Please leave comments, reviews, and click like to support Who New Podcast. To listen to our show on your Amazon Echo device, subscribe to us on Amazon Music. And then ask your Amazon device to play your podcast subscriptions. This podcast is inspired by Doctor Who, the longest-running sci-fi show in history, and especially the revival spearheaded by Russell T. Davis. Thanks to Russell, Sidney Newman, Verity Lambert, Ron Grainer, and all those involved in the adventures of our favorite Time Lord. Your work continues to inspire and entertain.